Welcome to Don't IEP Alone, the only podcast dedicated to helping parents navigate the IEP process and hosted by a special education advocate. Your host has been attending IEP meetings for over a decade and has helped thousands of parents go from an IEP rookie to an IEP all-star. Be prepared to learn tips that will be a total game changer for you as a parent advocate and most importantly, your child's outcomes. Partnered with the award-winning Lock a Day in Our Shoes, you'll be confident, knowledgeable, and actually looking forward to your next IEP meeting. Don't IEP alone. Get ready. Here's your host, from suburban Philadelphia, Lisa Leitner. Hi there, and welcome back to Don't IEP Alone, um, the podcast that goes along with A Day in Our Shoes. This is Lisa, and it has been quite a week. Um, If you didn't read on the Facebook page, uh, I'll tell you briefly, in that my son's school van got into a car accident last week. Um, he's fine. Uh, everybody's fine, I should add. Some have some significant injuries, broken bones, things like that. Um, concussions. But thankfully, uh, Kevin just, you know, some black and blue marks. He doesn't appear to be traumatized by it. However, um, they had to order a new seat and harness because he wore a special harness and um it's not in yet so i've been driving him back and forth to school i have not tried to put him on a van yet so we'll see if he is still as agreeable about getting on the van as he usually is so anyway that's been my week um I've blogged a couple of times about having anxiety disorder, and I will tell you that my anxiety disorder took a huge hit last week. Um, The day that the accident happened, it was a beautiful day, sunny, clear, low humidity, you know, just like your perfect September day. So I had all the windows open in the house, and the accident only occurred a few blocks from here. And um, I'm not trying to make this all about me. I'm just sharing because I know a lot of other parents and kids, um, can relate to this. But, um, anyway, when he was supposed to be home, I started to hear sirens. And of course, as you know, when you have anxiety disorder, your mind just goes to like zero to worst case scenario in about three seconds. Um, and I kept thinking, no, no, he's just caught in traffic. You know, yes, there's an accident out there. It's not him. Um, you know, he's just caught in traffic because of whatever's going on out there. He's fine. He's fine you know, trying to talk myself down and looking at the clock and it's getting later and later, you know, past the time when he is expected to be home. And then of course it turned out to be him. And for about five or 10 minutes, I want to say, um, actually even longer than that, I guess it was the entire drive down to DuPont. Um, I ended up running over to the scene where I was informed that they had taken all the kids by ambulance down to DuPont Children's Hospital. So basically that entire time, I didn't know. Um, I didn't know his condition. They Nobody had said his condition. They just said, well, we, just, we sent them to DuPont. So, um, you know, for a good, I want to say half hour, 45 minutes, I had no idea what, what had happened. I mean, other than the accident, I had no idea what to expect. But anyway, like I said, he's fine. Um, and, and back at school. So anyway, this will be a short podcast because of that, because I am on limited time this week because I have to drive him to and from school 
And so I'm not at home during the day. I'm staying up in the Downingtown area and working at local libraries and Wegmans and things like that. Um, but I don't want to record podcasts there. That would be weird. Um, it's one thing to bring your laptop in and sit with everybody else. So anyway. Um, but today I'm going to answer another reader question. And that is, let me get to it. I thought I had it open, but I guess I don't. I guess I did have it open. Where did it go? It's about a child refusing help, which is a good one. Good question, because it's common. Um, Okay, my son has had bad experiences with school. Now that we finally got into one that will give him and give him an IEP, he will not take the help. He just refuses to do anything. What now? He is high-functioning autism. He has, it should be he has, but she wrote he is. He has high-functioning autism, um, ADHD, SPD, and anxiety. So uh, I don't want to go off too far on the high-functioning autism, but I'm, I'm just, I, I just want to say I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of that term because it usually is an indication of uh, verbal skills and language skills and not necessarily a whole lot of other stuff. Um, It's been my experience that these kids that do carry this label of HFA also carry with them unbelievably high expectations of you know, high expectations because it's like, well, you're high functioning. So you should, you know, have high level of skills, right? Why else would you call it high functioning? Um, And I think that sometimes it sets the bar too high for these kids because as we know, they tend to really struggle socially. Um, They tend to really, really struggle with all kinds of executive functioning skills, self-reflection, um, self-determination, self-advocacy, the, the ability to self-identify. Um, you know, as an adult who has some disorders, I'm able to self-identify and say, well, my anxiety causes me to do A, B, and C, and this is why I need help, and this is what I need to work on, and things like that. If he's refusing help, he's obviously not self-identifying that he needs help, if that makes sense. So, but you, you know, what can you do? Well, you know, there have to be repercussions for actions and not everything a child does is related to their disability either. So, you know, it's not unusual for a child to not want, and she did say he's 15, I should say, that that's irrelevant, I think, um, because typical teenagers will refuse help or assistance from adults because they want to be independent, they want to do it on their own, um, they don't want their classmates to think that they need help, and so on. But there has to be repercussions for whatever is happening as a result of him not accepting the help. So what is happening? Um, are his grades suffering? Um, 
you know, how, if he's not accepting the help, what does that look like? You know, she put, he just refuses to do anything. So take the disabilities. Um, take the disabilities out of it for a moment and just look at the child. When you say he refuses to do anything, what do you mean by that? Is he refusing to do schoolwork? Is he refusing to follow rules at school? Is he refusing to follow rules and curfews and manners and things like that at home? And if that's the case, then, you know, there has to be repercussions for that. Just like any other child, it has to be appropriate. Um, you want it to be a teaching moment. So, you know, he's at an age, it depends on what your state, but he's getting to, he's getting to be at the age where he can refuse treatment. So, um, there's that to consider, but it's going to just take a lot of teaching and learning on your part to help him understand who he is and why, you know, certain things that go on inside of his brain isn't necessarily how most of the public interprets things and interprets situations and dealing with things like that. Um, you know, and again, if you said he's high functioning, so if he's high functioning, does he even need the help or is it just that you want him to have the help? I don't know. Um, he refuses to do anything. I don't, I don't, um, I wish he had elaborated more on that, but that's fine. Um, again, he, there just has to be consequences of some type to his actions for not what he's doing, because if you're not getting good grades and you're not turning in homework and, you know, you're not say bathing regularly and you're not cleaning your room and there's food in there with bugs and, whatever it is, um, you know, there has to be consequences for that. And you want to make it more favorable toward him so that he can like have that intrinsic reward to doing these things. Um, cause that's, that's another just issue that I see with high functioning autism is that there's not, I, I see kids and families really struggling to have that kind of inner peace and inner motivation to do things. Um, you know, and they always want to put kids on a token economy and all these other rewards based systems. Um, and, and you have to instill that they really struggle with instilling that inner inner, I don't know, you know, kind of that feeling you get when, you know, I don't love to do laundry, but I do it all the time. And, and when it's finally all done, if, you know, on those rare days when I'm able to conquer the entire pile and it's all dried and folded and hung up and put away, like, I just feel really good about myself and I'm just proud and I feel a sense of accomplishment. Um, and I feel a sense of, um, I don't know, just pride and that I'm taking care of my family and doing this for them. So now that he has to do laundry, but there has to be some kind of inner motivation for him to want to do better and be better. Um, 
And that's why I would, I would rather just see kids just, you know, if they're autistic, they're autistic. Um, because when they have that high functioning label attached to it, it just, it just creates, I've found it creates more problems than not. I've, I've never really seen a benefit of any kind to having that HF attached to your autism. So, um, Oh, there's my dog. So listen, that's my dog barking, which means that the school buses are going to be here, which means I should probably wrap this up. Um, I will talk to you soon. If you have any questions, I've added a lot of new content recently to the blog. So head on over to adayinourshoes.com. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Don't IEP Alone podcast. No parent should have to IEP alone. And with A Day in Our Shoes, you don't have to. For more IEP assistance and letter templates, visit adayinourshoes.com. For ongoing assistance and support, follow our Facebook page and group. Wait.